Good morning, you already dismissed middle schoolers, check. Hey, online viewers, I am glad you're here. I had a chance to text with you during the worship time, and I just want to encourage you to take advantage of comments on Facebook and YouTube. Be an interactive church with each other. That's a blessing. The key word, uh, would you put that back up there for us, Peter? The key word, I mean the text uh, slide. Yep, here it comes. When it comes up, I want you to make note of the number. Yeah, that's it. See that where it says pastor, okay, or just that number? When, when I'm preaching and you think I've really screwed up, text on, okay? I just, just want you to have that number readily at hand. You might need it by the time we're done today. And the Uversion app. If you're using Uversion on your phone, please, uh, you can go to more events, Avalon Church Orlando, and there's the notes from today, and then the discussion questions that hopefully uh, our life groups, our small groups will use this coming week. I am so glad to be here with you this morning. I want to let you know that before we get into the scripture, we need to talk about perspective. Perspective is, is very, very important. For instance, as you look at me this way, I look pretty good. But all I got to do is turn this way, and it's a whole different perspective, isn't it? Okay? In fact, that's the perspective that my, my daughter and my son-in-law, who have a little mini CrossFit gym in their house, that's the perspective they saw and said, boy... Dad, are we glad you retired so we can brutalize you into shape? And so this morning, my triceps, I, uh, okay, but perspective. Let's try another one, okay? And, and remember that as we go to it, and this message entitled, You Can't Always Get What You Want, because of perspective sometimes, when we look at something for the first time, the first impression is usually what we go with. And then our mind, amazing thing our mind is, it fills in the blanks until we get some kind of complete picture. So I, I want you to consider this picture. Yo, man, it was all going so good until he just lost his footing and the guy was there really, and now it's a tragedy. The poor dude's probably going to die until we change the perspective. Isn't that interesting? It's all, you know, for a moment, you're, you're, you're worried about the poor guy is, is just going to lose his life, and then you go, oh, those guys, they're really good at how they timed that picture. It's all a matter of perspective. What appeared to be tragic really is something totally different. So this morning, we're going to continue with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're going to specifically be in Matthew 7, the seventh chapter of Matthew, looking at verses 7 through 11. And I, I'm going to invite you to view this possibly familiar set of verses from two different perspectives. So if you've had an opportunity to call that up on your phone or in your Bibles, or it's just up there on the screen for y'all, here's what those verses say. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. And the next verse is saying, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, first perspective. This seems to be a simple reading. We're going to go back to verses 7 and 8. This seems to be a really simple reading, except it's not 
simple at all. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Jesus seems to be, Jesus seems to be talking about the process and the promise of acquiring things. How do you acquire things? Jesus says, hey, you ask, you seek, you knock. Uh, getting what we want or what we think we need, and apparently without condition. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is open. And so we take Jesus directly, first impression at his word, and so now we're going to ask. We're going to ask for help on a test all the way to restoration of a broken relationship. I'm going to ask for a parking spot in Winter Park or salvation of a dear friend. Or I'm, I'm going to ask, help me get a new job, a better paying job, a more fulfilling job, and only to find out when I get to work next week I've lost the job I already have. Remember, we tend to go with our first impression. So our American, Western, consumer-focused minds tend to fill in the blanks until we see what is to us a complete picture. And it appears pretty straightforward. Ask, and you will always receive. Seek, and you will always find. Knock, and no doors will be closed to you. And because the verb tense that Jesus uses actually is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, we, we perceive that Jesus is telling us that somehow our persistence in asking is the key to receiving what we ask. However, <laughs> if you've been on this journey for a while, you've already run into the practical, pragmatic challenge of these words of Jesus. That to our minds and in our experiences, well, they just don't always come true. I pray for my father to be healed of cancer. He dies. I ask to have my marriage restored. My wife just leaves. Uh, I request assistance on a major exam. I, I fail <laughs> the exam. I diligently seek that higher paying job. I find I've been laid off from my present job. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he records for Second Corinthians, he says, I prayed, I asked, I fervently asked three times to have this ailment, this, this thorn in the flesh removed from me, and three times the Lord said, no. Let's really take it to an extreme. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking the Father to have the cup of suffering taken from him. But it's not. Wait, wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> Ask, receive, seek, find. No conditions. Well, when we do, when we pray that way, and we bring those those situations and examples, pastors, teachers, fellow believers uh, offer insight about unanswered prayer. Biblical insight. Let's take a look at a few. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Don. You didn't, you, you lacked faith. You lacked faith. See, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, 
unstable in all his ways. Oh, oh, that was the problem. That was the problem. I didn't have enough faith. Okay, I'll go back and I'll work on that. No, no, no. Philip, you, you didn't ask in Jesus' name. You forgot to ask in Jesus' name. Because we're told, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. So Philip, next time, don't forget. Ask in Jesus' name. Faith, ask in Jesus. You had bad motives. <laughs> James, James talks about prayer. Let me give you a little lead-in verses to, to the verses you'll see in a minute. James 4 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. Here it comes. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Got that, David? Motives. Okay? Faith. In Jesus' name. Check my motives. Wait. All right. Vladimir, you did not pray in accordance with God's will. That was the problem. Here, John tells us about that. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Uh, he will hear us and if we if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we will have what we asked of him so Vlad okay make sure God's will whatever that is all right <laughs> and we could go on and on you know this entire discussion kind of feels like this picture doesn't it um, I'm walking it it's going to be good we're going to get to the top wait a minute, how come I'm falling? So, Pastor Jim, this is why Don gladly gave this one away. <laughs> so, Pastor Jim, what's the answer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I am confident that Jesus is not trying to confuse us in spite of the fact that we are totally confused. And it's obviously important to consider all the guidance and insight that we can glean from the scripture about prayer. And I gave you just four verses. It'd be a great small group study. However, I am personally really glad that the Lord told the Apostle Paul why he wasn't being healed because I would have had a really, really hard time explaining it to him. So aren't you glad you came this morning? Let's close in prayer. No, wait a minute. There's more. Remember this picture? What looked like tragedy really was just fun, if you will. What if Jesus, let's change perspective. What if Jesus is not primarily talking about receiving, but he's talking about relationship? What if he's, his primary concern is not you and I acquiring, but that you and I experience intimacy? Remember, the overarching theme of the Sermon on the Mount is not a list of new rules, Old Testament version 2.0, but remember, 
From the very beginning, Don has told us that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' discussion about a, a new way of life based on a new understanding of our relationship with God and God with us. So the Sermon on the Mount is not about do this or don't do that, even to the do, ask, do, seek, do. But more it's Jesus saying, this is what Jesus followers. This is what my disciples, this is what they look like. This is how they act. Okay, so let's go back and look at our, at our key verses again. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Next verses. Okay, this becomes really important to me. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Okay, because the loaves of bread in first century Israel were kind of flat. They weren't that leavened stuff that you're used to. You know, they're just, and it would be easy to say flat bread, flat stone, tricked you, okay? Or, or if the son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake because they both kind of wiggle, okay? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask? Why did Jesus even include that? Why didn't he just say, ask and you'll get, seek and you'll find, knock, it'll always be open. Why did he add this? Well, I think it's because it's actually the key element of those four verses. I think Jesus is saying this in a paraphrase. Your father in heaven is good and he's gracious and he's generous beyond your imagination and definitely beyond any experience you have ever had on earth. So here's the invitation. Come. Come often. Come freely to the fathering. Ask and seek and knock. So what kind of people is Jesus inviting to this intimate relationship? Well, there's this group. Those who don't know God as loving, interactive, or relational. Think about who Jesus was talking to in the moment, on the mountain, overlooking. He's got a vast array of Jews. Jews who are very familiar in their history, their theology, and their personal life. Very familiar with Yahweh, the Almighty God, whose presence was exhibited on Mount Sinai with rumbling and thunder, lightning. <laughs> and just a few chapters before in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus already unsettled that group when he said, you want to know how to pray? Here, here's how you pray. Daddy, who art in heaven, rocked their world. What do you, no, we don't come to Mount Sinai and go, can I go up and sit in daddy's lap? We sit at the base and it scares the poo out of us. There's the word in case you needed it. Okay. <laughs> but Jesus invites, even in his model prayer, and says, no, 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 no. Come to Abba. Come to daddy. And he reveals to this group of people gathered, and he's going to have to do it again and again and again because it's such a different concept. He says, the, the Father God desires such intimacy with you that he invites you, like daddy, to come freely and ask, seek, and knock. Some of us listening today view God in much the same way. You don't really know him, 
but you've heard things about him, or you've seen him do things, or not do things, that make him seem distant and disconnected, dare I say, uncaring and harsh. And Jesus wants you to know if that's where you're at, and I get that could be where you're at. I, I, the news will drive you crazy because it just will overload our minds with the, the where is God in the midst of this? And yet Jesus says, I'll tell you exactly where God is. He is in the midst of this. It's simply not true that he's distant and disconnected. It's a lie that he's uncaring and harsh. And I want you to experience the real Father God, Abba, Daddy. Well, I went to church, Jim, and those people stink. Right, exactly right. If you came to figure out how God is to experience the Father by sitting next to Tommy Denton, good luck. Okay? Uh, it's probably not going to happen. What do you think, Debbie? Yeah, nope. Okay. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves this gathered assembly. He died for the church and for the individuals that comprise it. But boy, are we screwed up. And so don't come looking for God in the person next to you. Come looking for God right where he wants to be in the inmost part of who you are. So Jesus is inviting those who just don't know God. They don't, have never experienced him as loving, interactive, or relational. Jesus also invites those who don't trust God. They know him, but they don't trust him. These folks, and that's probably a, a good portion of us sitting in the room if we're really going to be honest. I, I, I'll be honest with this. I've had seasons, more than I wish, where I have a relationship with God, but the words in the verses uh, 7 and 8, ask, you'll receive, seek, you'll find, trip, trip us up sometimes. I've come to God with expectations. Jesus, I, what you said has stirred up expectations. I mean, I've come with my expectations and I've been let down. It's similar to when a boy meets a girl. Right, Rachel? Okay, good. All right. Our little engaged couple over there, soon to be married. How exciting. The relationship gets off to a good start. Preaching to you. Pay attention here. You'll need this. Okay. <laughs> The relationship start, gets off to a good start. There's lots of talking, lots of asking questions because we want to learn about each other and get to know one another. There's seeking things that will help us deepen our relationship. We pursue, we knock on the door of new opportunities to share together. And then we get married. No, 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 I love marriage. But the, but the expectations that I often did not realize I even had, start to go unmet. And as my expectation of my spouse goes unmet, then trust starts to diminish. And when trust starts to diminish, there is less asking. There's less seeking. There is less knocking. In fact, why ask? I already know what she's going to say. And you know, it's really easy to misunderstand someone 
that you rarely talk to. And so there might be even within this room or online relationships, you're in it, you're there, but it's not intimate, it's not growing, there isn't much trust there. We're still married, I still wear the ring, but mm, something's missing. Maybe this is why Jesus uses the verb tense of keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God is good and faithful. Jesus just, he's going to nail that one every time. Even when you are having a hard time trusting him, keep communicating. Write that down, Rachel. You'll need that later, okay? Don't let the relationship slowly degrade because left to its own devices, it will go from 100 miles an hour to zero. And maybe like in human relationships, our expectations of my spouse or other people in the church, but in this case, my expectations of God are part of the problem. Jesus tells us to ask, seek, and knock, but I, I ask you, what are we asking for? What are we seeking after? And what doors are we knocking? And in fact, when Jesus says, ask and you'll, and you'll receive, that's pretty easy. But then he wanders off into seeking. What's that got to do with getting a new, you know, getting a new job or heating my relationship? Knock. We ask for things we want. We seek for things we missed. We knock when we feel like we're on the outside or excluded. We ask for things we want. We seek for things we missed. We knock when we feel like we're on the outside and excluded. So again, in the context of a growing relationship with God, which is what I think Jesus is talking about, asking might have to do with knowing God more deeply and more completely. Now, Paul thought so. He writes in Ephesians 1.7, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying. Ask, ask like Paul did. I can guarantee you'll receive it. Maybe that's about intimacy. Seeking, seeking may be about finding him, God, and all we, in all, finding God Seeking may be about finding him in all that we need to fill that inner void and have purpose. David, David in Psalm 14, I didn't give you this one, guys. You'll just have to listen. In Psalm 14, David writes a really interesting verse. He says, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. I didn't give you the next verse because it's kind of a downer. It says, no one does. But Jeremiah, we got this one, Jeremiah gives us a clue. He says, seek me if you will seek me with all your heart. Seek me and you will find me when you seek with all your heart. Jesus says, ask for a deeper, more thorough, more intimate knowledge. Seek God. Proactively go looking for him. He's easy to find. And knocking may be about removing barriers or hindrances to that intimate relationship that God wants. Think of Jesus 
John records him in the Revelation, chapter 3, as saying this. Jesus pictures, he says, here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus says, I knock. Why do I knock? Because I feel like I'm a little excluded and on the outside, but I don't want to be. So I'm going to knock and I really want you to open the door. And, and when you do, I'm going to come in and we're not just, we're going to sit down, we're going to eat, we're going to have the most intimate kind of fellowship. Maybe Jesus is encouraging us to knock on the door of God. Oh, we're going to find it wide open. But to knock. So just maybe, just maybe. Finally, I think Jesus invites a third group of people. We'll take a cooling drink of water for this one. Those who are angry with God. Deep-seated, a lot of times unspoken anger can destroy a relationship. You know this. It may be so severe, this anger that I have inside, that to some degree I may not even be aware I have. That it can be so severe that I totally walk away from a relationship and I cut off all communication with that person. Or maybe I'll remain in the relationship, in the marriage, if you will, but I'm quietly unsettled. I'm even seething sometimes inside. And very often, the root of that anger in relationships is what the other person has done or, or not done to us or for us. And the Bible gives us great understanding about how to do reconciliation and restoration. If that's the case, it's forgiveness. Okay, we, oh yeah, yeah, we get that. that that's a, this thing, right? I'm having trouble with Debbie. I need to forgive Debbie. Yeah, I do. And she needs to forgive me. And we need to forgive each other as Jesus forgave us. That's very horizontal. Does it apply to our relationship with God? Has he done or not done things that hurt us? Does God need forgiving? I gave a pastor, young pastor friend a, a forgiveness challenge. I asked him to find a quiet place and pray this prayer. Father, please bring to my mind the names of all the people I need to forgive. The young man was diligent to the task, listened carefully, was especially surprised when the Lord brought two names to mind. His name and God. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm a pastor. I know this can't be right. This must be the devil talking. No, no, this was, this was God being faithful to answer the prayer. Undaunted. He continued with the exercise in a format I had given him. If you'll bring us a slide there. All right. I asked him to consider first, like we would with any person, let's list all the things that God has done or not done or has allowed or in my life. Because remember, remember, God is almighty. He could stop, change, modify. Okay, so... 
Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you let me be born with this nose right there, with a big nose. Do you know how that crippled my life, God? Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you gave me a mean father, hypothetically. Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you allowed me an unhappy childhood. You could have changed all that. You could have given me different parents. You could have, you could have made that different. Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you did not stop me from shoplifting. Well, yeah, that might have been true. <laughs> you didn't stop me at all. Could have. Could have had someone come help me faster so I didn't feel like I needed to help myself. Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you did not help me get into the University of Georgia, which is not true. My children got in. I'm very, I'm very pleased he answered that prayer. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you deeply hurt me when you let me do premarital sex. That one's true. He could have stopped that, couldn't he? In a number of ways. He could have went, whoa, there goes Groves again. Whack, and made it all, but he didn't do that. Heavenly Father, you deeply hear me when you did not restore my marriage, when you allowed my mother to die unsaved, when you didn't heal my prostate cancer, when you allowed, when you allowed, when you allowed, when you allowed. Are we, are we brave and courageous enough to actually do this? To actually say, start with the primary prayer, Heavenly Father, please bring to my mind the names of all the people I need to forgive. But boy, please don't be surprised when you show up on the list and for many of us when God shows up on the list. Because when I think about all the things he allowed or instigated, things he could have prevented, things he could have modified, it hurts. I had to forgive my father for many things he had no idea he had done. That didn't mean they didn't hurt though. That was my problem, not his. Five A's and a B. I'm sure if you try harder next quarter, you can get all A's. That was him encouraging me. But it hurt because it said I wasn't good enough for him. And so part of the exercise is we make a list because you can't forgive what you won't admit. And we tend to keep things hidden inside. And writing down a list forces us to bring it out. And when we bring it out, Hmm, then we go to the next part. It says, and when I think about all you allowed or brought into my life, and I look in my heart to see how I really feel about you, not how I'm supposed to feel about you, not how I'm going to tell people I feel about you on Sunday morning, but how I really feel about you, I have anger and resentment and bitterness towards you, God. Your son Jesus said, ask and I would receive, seek and I would invariably find, knock, and no door would be closed to me, and I didn't get it, and I didn't find it, and the door was closed. And I'm mad. Anger can really upset a relationship, can't it? All right, you need to, we need to finish out this loop. See, if that wasn't God's name, if that was my wife's name, and the list was pertaining to Debbie, and I would say, you know, and when I think about all the things that you did, Debbie, that hurt, and I look at my heart to see how I feel about you, I'd probably find anger and resentment and bitterness. And then I'd have to concede that that anger, resentment, and bitterness is sin. It's sin. It's not anger with a purpose. Jesus had anger with a purpose. This, this has no purpose. That's sin, and I need to confess it. So I would say, Heavenly Father, I, I, I'm angry and bitter and resentful towards Debbie, and I don't want to be pleased. I confess my sin. Please forgive me that sin. I thank you for your forgiveness. I've dealt with my own sin. 
And then I would go back over and I'd say, and because of the way you forgave me, I choose, and I'd work my way down the list, I choose to forgive Debbie for this and that and that, for saying that, for not doing that. Please find all the anger and resentment I have and I want to release it. Okay, now it's a little different with God, isn't it? Because God doesn't do anything evil. God doesn't need forgiving. Well, then what's this exercise about? It's the exercise that says, I am responding to unmet expectations in a way that may mean I have cut off the relationship with God. And I don't want it to be that way. He doesn't want it to be that way. And so the response when we find anger, bitterness, resentment is still to confess it. That's sin, even towards you, Father. I confess it. Thank you for your forgiveness. And now here's the phrase. I don't understand any of the things on that list. And I don't like any of the things on that list. But I choose to believe you are a good God who loves me. So I will accept the things you have allowed and brought into my life that are on my list. And maybe this is what Jesus was talking about. Praise team, you want to make your way up here, please? Thank you. Maybe this is what Jesus was talking about. I want you to ask for an intimate relationship. You can have it. I want you to seek a God who is not hiding from you, but have some energy, have some interest to seek after him. You'll find him. Seek and you'll find. Knock and we can open that door because the invitation is available to those of you who don't know God or don't like him because you don't know him, to those of us who know him, but the relationship isn't as deep as it could be because I'm not sure I really trust him. I keep asking. I keep not getting what I think I should get when I ask. And those of us who are just plain angry at God because your son Jesus said, and it didn't, and instead of that being about me not understanding the complexity or the intention of what you said, I'm just going to be mad at you, God, and sit in church and sing songs. Don't know God or not sure you want to, or remember the text number, send this right to Don, okay? Don't know God, not sure you want to? Jesus wants to expand your perception of the Father. Are you a Christian, a Jesus follower, but your relationship with God is lacking due to trust issues? Jesus wants you to know that the Father invites you to come talk honestly and transparently about your expectations and your disappointments, even if you got to yell at him. He's big. He can handle it. Think you might be angry with God? Oh, he can handle that too. He can handle your honesty and he encourages you to process that anger with him. Maybe find a brother or sister can help you on that journey. 1 John 3.1 See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That's Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God 
the children get the opportunity to come ask and seek and knock. Let's pray. Father God, you knew exactly what you had in mind when you had Jesus share those words with us. I had a perspective. Maybe it's helpful. You know. If it is, then would you help protect that in the hearts and the minds of the people that it would help. But Lord, if we just prime the pump, then maybe you have more things you want to talk to us about in our cars or around the dinner table when we get home. But in any case, thank you, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ who created a new and living way directly to you where we can come ask and seek and knock without condemnation 